We Infuse Podcast, episode number 53. Welcome to the We Infuse Podcast. My name is Amanda Bromit. In every episode, we give you a seat at the table as we talk to Infusion Center owners, operators, and experts so that you can get the insight you need to run a thriving practice. In today's episode, we talk with Shannon Wiley, attorney at Bass Berry and Sims. Shannon focuses her practice on healthcare regulatory and transactional matters in the pharma industry, including infusion centers. Shannon shares great information on billing, licensure, supervision, payer contracting, corporate structure, compliance, and even mergers and acquisitions. Shannon, thank you so much for joining us today. I'd love to kick things off with you walking our listeners through your background and how you got into the infusion center industry. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Amanda. I'm happy to be here. So I am an attorney, a member of the healthcare practice group at Vasbury and Sims, and my background was in specialty pharmacy. And so for over a decade, I had been working pretty much exclusively in the specialty pharmacy industry. And so a lot of familiarity with, you know, programs related to drug dispensing. So the drug acquisition side of things, uh, the payer side of things, that, that ecosystem was very familiar to me. And one of the things that I had seen about the specialty pharmacy industry was this kind of tidal wave growth. Um, It started out with a bunch of mom and pop pharmacies uh, that grew, that were rolled up into bigger enterprises, that were bought by private equity, and, you know, in large part now find themselves, you know, within verticals in the industry. And so... We're seeing a little bit of a renaissance over on the specialty pharmacy side with some new smaller independents coming onto the market, but we had seen a big consolidation of of that, and you know I had seen that tidal wave, and so I was thinking to myself, you know, what what other areas where my expertise with you know understanding the dynamics of the drug distribution and and patient services model, will there be growth? And I identified infusion. Um, you know, the move to alternative sites of care, uh, the patient demand, consumer-driven healthcare. Um, you know, and and I also saw a lot of similarities between it being a market similar to the specialty pharmacy market. 10, 15 years ago, smaller providers who had kind of organically grown out of, you know, physician practice or out of pharmacy. And so there were some synergies there, Um, but there were also some distinctions from a true pharmacy lawyer, you know, the medical billing, uh, the payer contracting related to the medical benefits, uh, the physician practice side of things. And so I started to focus on becoming an expert in those areas because I thought it was a hybrid in the legal market that wasn't well addressed. You had a lot of provider-based physician practice attorneys. You had a lot of pharmacy attorneys, but not a lot of them could kind of translate those different lines of thinking. So I identified it and I went for it. And um, I think that I made a good call because infusion, the infusion industry really seems to be on fire these days. So I'm pleased to have uh, read the tea leaves correctly on that one. Yeah, that is actually so impressive. I feel like most people accidentally end up there. And I, I love that it was intentional for you. 
Um, well, some, sometimes we get lucky and sometimes we, uh, it's, you know, through intentionality and sometimes it's a little bit of the two. <laughs> so I think I have right. a little bit of those two on this one. For sure. And then within the infusion industry, is there a certain area that you really enjoy working or that you feel like you have even more expertise or depth? Yeah. So I would say, and kind of consistent with my history in the specialty pharmacy market, it's more of an industry focus. And so, you know, you know, I'm not your, you know, employment lawyer. I'm not your real estate lawyer. We certainly have amazing colleagues, you know, at Bassberry and Sims who can handle those issues, but anything related to the infusion practice. So whether it be the billing questions, the corporate structure questions, the compliance questions, uh, you know, I, I have depth and expertise in all of that. And then also the mergers and acquisitions uh, piece of things. So I would work with corporate counsel on the more corporate side of those, but I also do a lot of MA. So I, I try to be as much as possible a strategic partner kind of through the the span of the industry um, rather than silo into one area of the infusion business. Yeah, I bet you must read 24 seven and just stay on top of all that. That's so impressive. It's a lot of reading and it's a lot of uh, <laughs> the lazy woman's way of becoming an expert is to have a lot of friends and talk <laughs> a lot. So a lot of cross pollinization of, you know, what are you doing? What are you thinking? You know, how does it look to you? Um, and I'll tell you the MA is an excellent way to become better acquainted because you, especially on the buy side, you get visibility into the ways that other entities do things, what's worked for them, what's not worked for them. You know, sometimes it's not a, an, an issue of right or wrong. It's an issue of, you know, friction, less friction, uh, synergies. And so it really helps the more you see, the more, you know, so I try to be as uh, curious and inquisitive as possible. Yeah, absolutely. So thinking through, you see tons of centers across the nation, um, you know, through both M&A activity, but also in your own clients. What are the, the legal and compliance traits that you see in organizations that you would say are well run, um, you know, that you would want your, your clients to duplicate? Yeah. And so, you know, there is certainly a spectrum and kind of to your, you know, observation about intentionality versus something kind of organically happening. I do think a lot in the industry now, and there's certainly exceptions to this, is organic growth. And so you've had, you know, small, um, well-intentioned, under-resourced, um, you know, scrappy, uh, you know, fighting hard uh, infusion providers out there that have put together really amazing businesses what's worked for them has worked, but it hasn't necessarily been bumped up against, you know, regulatory review. Mm -hmm. And so I would say, you know, some of the things that work well is, you know, those people, and often it's a luxury, who have had the luxury to take a pause and think about the business from a regulatory perspective. And I say that <clears throat> just because even as foundational as corporate structure, uh, you know, wh what am I? Am I an ambulatory infusion suite and that alone? Uh, do I do practice management? Uh, do I do a little bit of both? Do I have a pharmacy? Am I only buy and bill? Uh, 
and so there's all these different ways in which infusion presents itself. And so having that luxury of the time and the consideration of you know, what do I need to do to do this specific model right? Maybe I've done that with one specific model, but now I'm going to merge over. Have I been able to be thoughtful um, about, you know, what's different about what I do? And so that's really, you know, one of the primary things is, you know, just even down to the basics of corporate formation, uh, contracting, um, you know, how are your entities within your enterprise sourcing drug, contracting with your payers. And so those that have had a coherent strategy, uh, you know, whether it's the best or the worst, you know, that consistency where you can explain it, you can scale it. Um, it it's, I think that's really important and really helpful. And I'm always excited when I see that. Yeah, absolutely. And so for people that are doing that for the first time that they've organically grown and they've gotten to the point that, okay, we really need to do that. Is that a conversation with their attorney and their accountant and their revenue cycle folks? Is Do they do they put them all at the table and start from scratch? Yeah, that's a good question. And it's, and it's a lot of, yeah, it's an all hands uh, consideration. And you're at some of these companies, you know, that's a party of two or three, you know, just because one person might wear a lot of hats. But, you know, I do think that there is, and this is, this is part of, you know, running any business and being a good strategic partner to your clients is understanding that the A plus answer is not always the best answer. Uh, You know, we're not taking an exam here. We're trying to run a business. And so understanding, you know, what is your goal? Is your goal, you want to open three more AICs in the next six months? Is your goal, you want to sell to private equity in three years? Um, You know, is your goal, you want to get national payer contracts? What is your goal and what do we need to do to get there? And, you know, you know, obviously there's, you know, sometimes there's going to be something that's, we uncover it and that's a problem. It's a legal issue. It needs to stop. We need to fix it immediately. That's rare, though. More often, it is just a broader understanding of what are you doing now? What do you want to be when you grow up? And how do we get between here and there? Yeah, that's fantastic. I love that for any business to really put thought into that, but especially for infusion centers, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. What about challenges? I know you probably see a lot. What What's the biggest legal challenge you see infusion providers experience? Yeah, and this this doesn't make me a lot of friends because it's so unsatisfying. But it's just it's a lot of gray area. Um, you know, what are infusion suites? You know, what are infusion chairs in a pharmacy? You know, what does that mean under state licensure law? Uh, is it the corporate practice of medicine? If you think it is the corporate practice of medicine, how do you build a scalable model based on that? Uh, you know, your laws in Oklahoma are different than your laws in Nebraska and Missouri. And so I do think for providers who want to have a regional or national platform that want certainty, it's hard. Um, I have clients come to me a lot and say, you know, I just want to do everything right. I just want you to tell me what I need to do to be in compliance with all the laws. And, you know, it's not fun to have to say, well, you know, I don't know what the answer is. I, you know, here's what the rule is. Here's what the rule says. Here's one way it could be interpreted. 
here's another way it could be interpreted. Uh, here's what your competitors are doing in some cases. Here's what your competitors are doing in other cases. Here's what the enforcement landscape looks like. Let's have a conversation. Um, <laughs> and, and, and that can be empowering to a client because then they have that freedom to make decisions. But it can also be very, you know, like I said, um, dissatisfying to them because they want to be told what's right or wrong. And it's just it's an evolving industry and it's just not always clear. Yeah. Is there a framework for essentially auditing an existing center to decide, you know, where they fall on that compliance realm? Yeah. Yeah, there is. And, you know, there's a couple of different ways to think about this. You know, one is kind of corporate structure, um, you know, scalability, feasibility. And that tends to be a question of who's asking for the audit. You know, is it a self-audit? Is it a buyer in a, in a transaction? And in that case, it becomes a big conversation. Now, what do you want to do with the asset? <laughs> because, you know, what they're doing, you know, as far as how it becomes integrated into your current enterprise or, you know, what you're going to do with it. So there, that can be a complicated conversation. You know, there are a lot of other parts of the infusion business that can be confusing and challenging as well. Um, you know, nurse practitioner supervision, and whether they can bill independently or practice independently or whether they need to be under a supervision agreement, um, Medicare Part B billing, incident two billing. Uh, what does it take to establish a patient with the infusion center? And so those are the types of things, while still a continuum of risk, you know, things you can do to be ironclad, you're going to survive audit versus others where, you know, you likely could survive audit versus others where if people ask questions, you'd be having trouble. And so on those types of things, I think there are somewhat more clear cut answers. Mm -hmm. Um, and so to your question, I mean, about like, what can someone be doing internally to, to deal with that? I would say having an internal compliance department, a compliance program, and that can mean a lot of different things as well. Um, but, you know, at its, at its foundation, it is a considered plan by the client that identifies the unique risks that that entity faces. Uh, so, you know, for an infusion provider, that would be things like, you know, pedigree and security around your drugs, particularly if you're dealing with security, uh, I'm sorry, controlled substances. It would be considerations about relationships with your referral sources. You know, are you paying your medical directors? Are they referring business in? Uh, do you have a sales force that's going out there and talking to and, you know, having dinners with or playing golf with uh, these referral sources, having policies in place to govern those activities and having audits that ensure compliance with those processes, mm -hmm. you know, on the nurse practitioner front or any, any infusing practitioner front, you know, what does that look like for the administration? How are you establishing the patient, the patient plan of care or the relationship with the patient? What does your billing look like? What does your nursing notes look like 
and going back and auditing, not just when a payer asks for the audit, but kind of consistently throughout the year to make sure that you're tracking whatever those expectations are. And then, of course, you know, being open to revisiting those expectations just because you thought that was best practice in 2019 doesn't mean that it's best practice today. Uh, so making sure that that program is always evolving as well. Yeah, absolutely. And that you utilize it. I, I see beautifully written compliance programs and they're only as good as they are when they're used. If it just sits around, it doesn't do us much good. Um, so I love that you're talking about having a cadence that you review and update and look at your processes. That's really important. It, it really is. And you know, one of the things that I always have clients say is, well, what's the rule? Do I have to have a compliance department? What happens if I don't? And so, you know, I have these pretty silly maxims, but one of them is it only matters when it matters. And then it really matters. <laughs> and so a compliance department is exactly that. You know, if there is a problem and you could have caught it if you had had a compliance program and you didn't, and you could have mitigated or remediated the risk and you didn't because you didn't even know that it happened. Mm -hmm. And then a regulator comes in and, you know, if your penalty was going to be X, you know, maybe now it's X times Y because you have nothing to show for it. Whereas if you had had processes in place and this was just a true deviation, you caught it yourself because you did an internal audit, you immediately put re remediation in place, you have a internal um, compliance plan that shows your CAPA and what you've done. And then a regulator finds out and you say, oh, let me give you this package. And here's the mm -hmm. policy we have. And yes, we violated. And that was bad on us. And here's what we've done to make sure it didn't happen again. And in fact, we audited last week and look at us, we're squeaky clean. Now, instead of X times Y, you're X minus Y, <laughs> you <Exactly>. know? <laughs> yes. You know, I actually wish more people realized that. I do not wish more people had to go through the process, but you know, that that was more common knowledge. Um, that the, the regulators are human beings. And when they look at your intent and how you've handled things, it makes a difference in what your punishment ultimately is. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely the case. And, you know, for those who are listening that do have an acquisition on the horizon, it is such a comfort to a buyer to see, you know, to your point, okay, you've got the compliance plan. Is it dusty? Or show me what, what internal audits have you done? You know, the, the the biggest thing, it always makes me laugh when you're doing diligence and someone says, well, how many HIPAA breaches have you had? They say none. <laughs> like, okay, well, that means you're not paying attention. That doesn't right. mean you're perfect. <laughs> that means you're not paying attention. You you, just have we all are human. Them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're all human. You're going to have problems. The question is not, do you have problems? The question is, what problems do you have? And what are you doing to make sure you have different problems in the future instead of those? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, speaking of problems, are there ones that repeatedly come up that you wish infusion center operators knew about and really had more legal guidance on that they didn't navigate on their own? Yeah. And, and this is one where, you know, it's a biggie, um, but, in a, and I see it just from well-intentioned people and it's the basic, it's, it's Medicare Part B incident to billing mm. and really just having a, a basic understanding of, you know, whose NPI can you use? Uh, 
what level of supervision is needed? What does it take to have the billing be incident to? Um, and, you know, what level of care has to be done? And what kind of documentation do you need to justify those codes? Uh, you know, whether they're, um, you know, regular infusion codes or highly complex drug infusion codes, what are you doing to support uh, that, that billing? And I think, you know, it can be all over the place. And the, the reason it's so important is because with a federal program, if you're getting it wrong, the intent really doesn't matter as much. It's you submitted the claim and you intended to submit the claim. You might have been mistaken about the fact that it was accurate or inaccurate, but your intent to submit was there. And then you have recoupment issues or um, overpayment issues where you have to pay the money back and you know let Medicare know. And it can just be, it can be such a, it's just a hard conversation to have. And it's um, such a difficult place to be in because it's so fundamental to the operation of the infusion center that if they've got it wrong, it's almost in the DNA. And so kind of extracting that and hit reset can be very difficult. Uh, so that would, that would be my, you know, was the fairy godmother with my magic wand. I would kind of imbue everyone with a great understanding of incident to billing. Good to know. Um, and then in that same vein of thinking, but even broader, are there particular resources, either state or national, that you recommend for infusion center operators on billing and any other topics? Yeah, so, um, you know, I love We Infuse, uh, obviously. Um, I think you guys do a great job uh, in, in giving uh, providers guidance and insight. I love NICA. Um, I think they're great as well, um, an excellent community. Uh, and there's resources for their members. Uh, their you know, push uh, newsletter that comes out is great. Uh, tons of specific actionable information for infusion providers. Oftentimes I'm reading it. I, don't, I didn't even know that was a thing to be thinking about. Uh, so very educational for me. Um, you know, I think when in doubt from a legal standpoint, getting on the CMS website and Googling, you know, I, you, you don't want to be an armchair doctor or lawyer. So you definitely want to consult <laughs> your legal counsel, but you know, see what you can find out there. Uh, look to see you know, what others are doing, and you know, back to my MO of how I learn, ask questions and go to these conferences, talk to your competitors, you know, to the extent that they're willing to talk to you, you know, learn um, from anybody you can, you can get, get to talk with you, not necessarily because they're going to know and you're not going to know, but because it just gives you a reference point. Uh, I don't want to do it that way. Uh, or, oh, interesting that they have that perspective. I know that's wrong. Here's, you know, maybe how they got there. Uh, so certainly all the water cooler talk that you can absorb as well. Yeah, that's great advice. Well, kind of wrapping up here, um, what are you most excited about right now in the infusion industry? Oh, the whole skin thing. I'm just having so much fun with this. It's just, it's great to see the growth. It's great to see the enthusiasm. Um, it's really nice to see the cash coming in from investors so that these 
smaller organizations that have worked so hard to create that you know vibrant DNA now have the resources to scale, uh, have the resources to to pause and think about and put the infrastructures in. So I'm I'm really excited about seeing this next wave where we start to see uh, a sophistication and maturation of the industry. Um, and so I'm just I'm just really pleased to be in at this level and looking forward to seeing what comes next. Yeah, absolutely. And then is there one last piece of advice that you'd leave our listeners with? In addition to make sure to call your friendly legal counsel um, early and often, (laughs) early and often, Um, I I think it would be just to, you know, take stock in the fact that you're in this industry that really is dynamic. And when it feels as though the footing is not sure, it's it's because that's right. It really is a changing and dynamic industry and to not question that, but rather just find the things that you can hold fast to, that you can um, take comfort and kind of deal with creating that sure footing um, in the areas where you can, Um, but just to have that enthusiasm for being part of the, the growing industry as well. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, Shannon, thank you for your time. Thank you for all of the awesome advice and resources and for everything that you do for the infusion industry. Well, thank you so much for having me. This has been fun. Wow. Shannon had such great information on being intentional about your business from a regulatory perspective. Be sure to check out her resource recommendations with CMS, NICA, and of course, We Infuse. Speaking of WeInfuse, if you aren't familiar with the WeInfuse software platform, I encourage you to schedule a test drive to see how they can save you time and money in your practice. My name is Amanda Brummett, and we'll catch you in the next episode.